We're going to look at 8 through 9, but the context is actually 8 through 16. All right, and if you'll look, you have one point on your outline. I thought you would be very much uh, thrilled with that. The truth of the matter is there's four points, uh, but I'm only going to do them one at a time, make you feel like you accomplished something. Okay? Um, also, this builds on itself because it's coming off of verse 1 where the apostle says, regarding what you've asked. Chapter 7, he's dealing with a questions, a series of questions that has embraced the church. All right, and you've really got to understand that because he, he's got four questions he's going to deal with in the coming, in the future, should he tarry. And the first one is marriage, marriage in the church. All right, so I'm going to pray now, and then we will read verses 8 and 9 and um, see what happens. Father, we come now to you. We understand that it is not about us. Father, we come now to seek divine counsel. Father, we come now to understand the way you designed it, the way you would have it, the way you planned it. Father, it isn't our will. It's your will. Father, you even told us that when we pray, we would pray that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may that be our heart now. May we hear from you. May we cherish what you give us this very day to you and you alone in Christ. Amen. All right, I want to read verses eight and nine. And then I'll kind of give you a heads up on where we're going. All right. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. And some of your text will say with passion. All right, that's been added. But it's better to marry than to burn. Okay. This is an amazing letter. Um, because what has happened is in the uh, an awful city, uh, an awful uh, pagan city, God has built a church. And he's used the Apostle Paul to build that church. And what is happening is people are coming or being drawn to salvation, but when they come, they bring, what's the term that we use now? They're bringing all their baggage with them. Okay, and the Apostle Paul is helping this young church. Actually, it's a few years old, but this church, he's trying to help them to separate out what, what you and I would say uh, are the important things and the non-essentials. All right? The truth of the matter is, it is difficult in your and my life today to say, I don't have anything that's a non-essential. Let's be realistic. Okay, but what happens is, we will bring into uh, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ... All the things, the talents, the experiences, the knowledge, the wisdom that we have. We're going to bring that all in and we try to make it mesh with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a problem. Uh, in our leadership training class, um, I dealt with a text a couple of weeks ago out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Okay, It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It is difficult in our society today as men, as a man, and I have to keep it from that perspective because that's, I'm very narrow-minded that way, sorry. It is very difficult for me not to look at a situation and not lean on my own understanding. And yet, that text says, should I do that, I have sinned against the Holy God. You got that? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And the Apostle Paul is bringing that out. In the church in Corinth, as in the church in America today, it is extraordinarily difficult to maintain a marriage. Okay? I I would even add that it's difficult to maintain any kind of lasting relationship. Think about it. How many times have you met with somebody and the comment is that you've maybe gone to dinner together? And I'm not talking about just singles here. I'm talking about anybody. You've met with a friend, an old-time friend, and said, you know, we need to do this more often. And then six years later, you do it and you say, we should do this more often, right? Okay. In America, I had a number from 1993. There's over 22 million divorces. Okay, one in two in America end up in divorce. They say that number is rising. Where does it go? Where does it go? Secular Russia, three out of four end up in divorce. Except for the church. And there are none in the church. But you know what? That's changing. Why? The fall of communism. And the church is now open to what? To the world. Okay? So, you know, I would say that it's difficult to maintain any relationship, and it's very difficult to maintain a relationship of love. Of love. Um, What is amazing about this is that I want you to understand something. This is not a historical phenomenon. Uh, It is not something new. Right? And the church in Corinth was dealing with it. uh, And actually, if I read the historical stuff out of Corinth, the church in Corinth is very much similar to the church that we exist in today. When I was looking through this text, chapter 7, every one of us in this church is represented in this text. Not only that, we have people who represent all four categories of people I'm going to deal with in the next four weeks. The whole area of marriage in the Corinthian church was a mess. Okay? The whole area in the church in Castle Rock is a a mess. So he's he's been asked some questions. He says that concerning the things which you have written, he begins to answer these questions. Um, They had the church in Corinth, as us today, are confused about things of marriage. We are confused about what does marriage mean? Is it the ceremony? Is it this? Is it the cake? Is it, what is it? 
Uh, you have to have a ring, uh, do, you know, and all the symbolism and all the rest of it. And what happens if we've lived together for like X number of years? Are we considered married? If a man and a woman have sex, or does God look at them as married? And, and I hear all the same questions that Paul deals with in the church in Corinth. Is it right to be single? Do, isn't your ministry stronger if you are not single? Are you more spiritual if you are single? Because you can be more devoted, right? Do you need to be married? Well, you know what? Religious people would push for what? Today. What would they push for today? If you're a religious person, what would you, if you're dealing with a, a group, what would you push for? Marriage. Why? Because God said, what did God say? Did God say marry? He told Adam and Eve to marry, but why did he tell them? Who else was there? Do you, do you, why would I take what was told to Adam and Eve and believe that applies to me? I mean, there were only what? Two people. If you don't marry, I have to make more. But, but I don't understand that. But I, I see that a lot in, in our society today. Um, we push marriage. We see somebody mid-20s to early 30s that ain't married. What do we cons- What do we start immediately thinking? Well, all of a sudden think we're Cupid. <laughs> I need to get this person married. Why? Are you married and you want everybody else to be miserable, right? I don't know. I don't understand that, but we do that. I've seen it. And I've seen it in places that you would consider. Um, I, listen, my daughter re- attends the master's college, okay? And, uh, uh, and John MacArthur is the president. And you know what their big push is? Marry. To marry. And yet the apostle Paul, we've already said, he's already said it is good to be single, and, and I've talked to John about it. How can you teach that you need to be married when you yourself say your best friend is Paul and Paul said to be? Not only that, I have an interesting text we'll look at in a moment. All right? Um, another thing that cre- creeps up um, is the singleness a higher plane. Okay? If you're single, are you better positionally for the king. Well, this church would have had a problem, wouldn't it? A very serious problem. Who founded the church? What was his marital status? And you would have to look at Paul and say, God is really using Paul, and is it because he is single? And he makes a statement in this letter, right? I would have you remain as I am, and I'll deal with that a little more, okay? Um, other people, and I see it today, that um, sex of any kind is a, is a misdirection. I'm trying to figure this, how to say this. is a misdirection of effort and energy, okay? Um, you could use it on a lot, that energy and effort could be used in a lot more spiritual ways, uh, more effort, more energy to God. Um, and even some writings I have seen that if you're truly a devoted Christian, 
perhaps you should divorce. That way you can remove yourself from this physical, uh, emotional energy that you have. Um, because, see, if I do that, uh, I actually read uh, some articles that if I divorce as a Christian, then that is truly a magnificent picture of living sacrifice. Okay, um, and, and that by separating from that physical relationship with that woman or with that man, what a testimony of my sacrifice for God that would be. Okay, so you see some of the problems that exist. Um, some believe that you ha- need to withdraw from physical relations, give your devotion um, to the king, even if and stay married. And the reason is, is because physical relationships are temporal. And why would I want to continue to deal with the temporal? So do you see some problems? You know what? The tragedy of those that I just gave you, that's not the Corinthian church I'm talking about. That's the church in America today. Okay? Is marriage a command? Do you have to marry to please God? Or should you stay single? Or should single people stay married? Or should single people seek to be married? What should happen? I don't understand anymore. What do we do? Should the married who has become a Christian then abstain from the physical because that is temporal? But let's throw this one in. What if I'm married to an unbeliever? You know, if I'm married to an unbeliever, then I am uniting Christ with a pagan. Good questions, actually. What you've seen in verses 1 through 7, general principles, and it regarded being single, and it regarded being married. He says marriage basically is the norm. Why? Because of lack of self-control. Okay, I get led by my flesh. All right? But there are some who are gifted charisma for singleness. Right? God has empowered them. And he says both are good. All right? You have the norm is to marry, but you also have a unique position for single people that God has gifted. All right? Now, the context is 8 through 16. And he's going to take the general principles. Here's a single person. Here's a marriage per- married person. And here are general principles that he'll lay out. And 8 and 9 is God's counsel to single Christians. Okay? 10 and 11 is God's counsel to married Christians. All right? 12 through 14 is God's counsel to married Christians who are married to unbelievers and the unbeliever wishes to stay married. And then verses 15 and 16 are Christians who are married to unbelievers and the unbeliever doesn't like it anymore and wants to leave. All right. You know what's amazing about that? Those four principles in eight through 16 in eight verses, God has covered every person in this church. Not only that, God has covered every Christian who's ever been in a church. Not only that, he will cover every Christian who's ever been in a church, who will ever be in a church. And I think that that's just an amazing insight from the word of God. Let's look at it. Verse 8, to the unmarried and to the widows. 
Okay? But I say, right, that word but there is the same word that you see translated therefore. All right? I think King, King James translated, I say therefore. That's a better translation because he's summarizing what I gave you in verses 1 through 7. Okay? So he says, I've laid the principle down on singleness and marriage in verses 1 through 7. Therefore, I say this to the unmarried and to the widows. Okay? Unmarried is a, what they call a gender neutral term. Sometimes you'll see unmarried in the Greek and it'll have a, um, a parsing on the end of it, which gives it a gender. It may be unmarried women. Sometimes it is unmarried men, or sometimes in the text that it's in there now, it's unmarried, neutral, gender neutral. Okay, so it would be bachelors, maidens, okay, divorcees, all right, and then he throws in a specific group, what? Widows. That one is also gender neutral. So that would be if you're a man or a woman, and for some reason there has been a death of your partner. All right? Um, and, and, and he spends a little time, and I, I, we need to look at that for a second, because having been married and have a death, I mean, there are people, there are people in this room right now who have been married and have chosen to divorce. Okay? They have chosen to to rid themselves of the spouse. You know what? There are people in this room today who have been married and God chose to rid them of their spouse. Okay? So, I, we need to pay attention to this. The, there are those who become single by death and they've experienced the joys of marriage. Uh, they've been separated uh and it's not because they have chosen. Uh, and that brings a trauma to that person that is different um, in some aspects than that person who would divorce. Um, to those, he says, remain as I am. That's his counsel. All right, now, now watch what he does. He's saying there's nothing wrong with your position in life right now. If you are a bachelor, if you are a maiden, if you are a divorcee, if you are a widow or widower, God is saying there's nothing wrong with where you are. Not only that, he says it's a good place. The word good there is beneficial to excellence. You see that? Okay, it's not to teleos. To teleos is to perfect. All right, it's mature, it's complete. That's not the term he uses. He says it is good to excellence. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a benefit here. And he says, he's basically telling some of us in the church today, stop being Cupid. There's nothing wrong with a person who is single or a, a widowed or divorced. Please understand that. And it isn't something that I need to push it. And, and I see it today. Um, we, we want to play Cupid. Um, we want to push single people into what? Into marriage. You need to be married. Why? Well, and we have a, a, a propensity, especially women, 
Men can kind of handle their own, but we, if we have a woman who is single, what is our desire? You need to get married. Why? Cause. Cause why? Okay, let me ask you a question. Do we want the very best for the saints of God? Would we wish to present every man complete in God? Then why would you presume that God has not gifted them for singleness? Why would I want to push somebody into a position that would violate God's best for their lives? Okay, you ever think of that? I've run into single people who are gifted. Okay, some out there are saying, I, I got to get married. You know what? And some may need to get married. But that's why we have the body of Christ. All right, why do we have the body of Christ? We guard them. We walk with them. And if they have no interest, okay, what I mean by that, when they have no interest, I've seen it. Because why? I've been with them. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. This is an annoying thing in my heart right now. Why is it that we gather occasionally and then scatter and we can't understand why somebody's fallen into sin? Why is it we're so willing to point out your shortcomings from a distance? It says that you who are spiritual see a brother or sister in a trespass bear the burden. How do you bear that burden? From a distance? Let me tell you something. If you fellowship with the saints and you only do it for this hour, what purpose is your purpose? What purpose are you in the body of Christ? You really believe that you're in a position to help a saint? How many have ever heard this? Uh, I, 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 was, I went out with this group of people and I felt like I was the fifth wheel. Why? Because they were married and I was single. Somebody sinned. Okay? I don't know whether it's the couple or the single one, but somebody sinned. Please understand that. Because if you are brother and sister in Christ, which the Bible says you are, then if you come alongside me, whether you're single or married, you should see me as what? A brother in Christ. So how could you ever feel as a fifth wheel? That's why we have this an anomaly that is birthed in the church that's called singles ministries. Why? Why? Are we literally taking people that God has gifted for singleness and forcing them into a place that they're not supposed to be? And I'm going to deal with this a little more, but this is a, this is a passion of mine. I watch the body of Christ today, and it literally has segregated itself. But you've got the married people, you've got old people, you've got young people, I've got this people, and that is not biblical. If you're single today, you should be attaching yourself to married people. And if you're married today, 
You should be getting strengthened by people who are stronger than you and be gathering around you to do what? To make disciples as you are going, whether that person is single, whether that person is married, if that person is a widow or a widower, whether that person is divorced or whether that person is struggling, whatever is going on, you need to be responsible for it. God has gifted us in different ways. Some he has gifted that they have control over their sexual desires. God has fulfilled them in a way that is wondrous and unique to that person. And this is a good thing. The Apostle Paul even says it. They do not have self-control. Let them marry. But I would have them remain as me. Why? Paul understood that he was gifted. See, I've read some stuff on Paul. Some believe that he was actually a part of the Sanhedrin. Okay, that he was an apprentice to Gamali. I do know for sure that Gamali was a part of the Sanhedrin, which make it, that's the Council of Seventy. Do you know who that is? That's the one who said, crucify him. All right? I know that the Apostle Paul was a Jew. I also know that he was a Pharisee. I also know that you can not be a Pharisee and not be married. All right? If he was part of the Sanhedrin, he had to have been married. It's impossible to be a part of the Council of Seventy. All right, it is possible that his wife died before his conversion. Okay, it is possible that she left him. Either way, his time of ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ, it was always as a single man. And his singleness, he maintained because God gave him a gift of celibacy that he wasn't stirred by physical desires. Okay? Not preoccupied with sex. And that is difficult in this day because our whole society is what? Preoccupied with sex. Everything we do is based on... Anyway, look at verse 25. Concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord. I give you this opinion. By the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. We know what Paul's saying there. He says, here's a practical viewpoint. This world that you live in is so goofy. It's so sexually messed up. I think it's an advantage to stay the way you are. And what's cool about it, he doesn't make a note on which way that is. He just says the way you are, stay there. Why? Because it's just a mess. Look at verse 28. But if you marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, what? She's not sinned. Yet, such will have trouble in this life. And I am... Are you reading this? Who's he referring to there? I would prefer you stay single so that what? That you don't have trouble in this life. Okay, now listen, if you're single today and you think that that's kind of funny, go ask a married person. Okay, I've never met a married couple who haven't had problems. Ever. It's impossible. Not only that, how many times do you feel restrained in your service to the king because of your spouse? 
Okay? I'm just telling you, this is what Paul said. Okay? And what's cool about it is it's true. It might be to your advantage to stay single and spare you the trouble. There's trouble in marriage. All right? Don't, listen, if you're single, don't make a big issue out of marriage if it isn't necessary to you. It's all right. He says, if you're a virgin, what? That's all right. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If God has given you the ability, a charisma, he's given you a supernatural gift to be single. How dare you not cherish that gift, that ability? Because you are in a special position that you lack any encumbrance. Not only that, you're stayed away from trouble. That happens in any relationship. You have a very special way in which God has called you to serve. And I don't understand it. That should be exciting. It allows you to serve God in an extraordinarily unique way. But the Apostle Paul understands. I understand. There's pressures of being single. Especially with, uh, in our culture, <clears throat> and it would have been that way somewhat in the church in Corinth because of the blend of Jews and Gentiles, but there's an emphasis on marriage. There's an emphasis on family. Uh, there's an emphasis to, to reproduce, to make little ones. Uh, you, you, that's terrible. We push that on people. We shouldn't push that on people. There is no need to feel that way. Paul gives us God's counsel that you don't have to be that way. But I want to make it as clear as I can. Okay? If you have a red letter Bible, I would ask that you would turn to Matthew 19. Jesus is ministering in the Judean countryside, and it's beyond the Jordan, and there were great crowds, chapter 19, there in just the beginning, verses 1, 2, 3. Some of the Pharisees come to him, and they test him, and ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, the Pharisees, why then did Moses command, give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not that way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. What is the disciples' conclusion? Verse 10. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of a man with his wife is like this, 
It's better not to marry. What is Jesus' response? That's the interesting one. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those whom it has been given. And then what is the illustration that he gives? The eunuchs. You know what Jesus is saying? What does it say? If you can accept this, then what should you do? Stay single. That would be a red letter printing too. That's really divine inspired there. So Jesus is concurring with the Apostle Paul. Being single opens up all kinds of potential for a person to serve the Lord. But all men can accept this saying. All right? There's a special gift. Isn't that interesting? Spiritual gifts. You get a list of them, tongues, prophecy, healings, miracles, signs, wonders, stuff like that. Have you ever heard singleness lifted? Same term is used by the Apostle Paul in this chapter that he'll use in 12, 13, and 14. Same, same term. It's a charisma. We should never take somebody who is content with being single and force them into a situation where they think uh, they are not fulfilled. That's what we do. That's what we do. We have a bad habit of saying, but you need to be married. You need to do this. You need to do that. Okay. What about widows or, or widowers who lose their partner in death? What about them? They didn't choose to be single. I mean, I was married. If I wasn't married, I wouldn't become a widow or a widow. And then all through some circumstance, now I'm single. You know what? God may choose from that time that you may never marry again. And God will give you a gift that you'll be satisfied. You will be at peace with yourself as a single person. All right? Do you guys remember when they brought Jesus in to be... uh, circumcised does everybody remember that there's a guy at the at the temple what was his name how many of you remember anna anybody remember anna turn to luke god introduced me to a person that's just amazing luke 2 luke 2 verse 36 And there was a prophetess. I like that. I get to deal with that controversy in a few weeks. And there was a prophetess, and her name was Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. I like this. Luke, the politically correct Gentile. She was advanced in years. (laughs) That's sort of like a nice way of saying she's older than dirt. Um, She's advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. You got that? Do you understand what age she would have married at? 13 to 16. Okay? That's the age everybody married at. Why? We call it, what do we call it? It's when the hormones take off? Puberty. 
the Jews believed at puberty what should happen. Get married. Why? It stops all that. Okay? That's just what they did. 13 to 16, guess what? You're married. All right, if she's married as a virgin for seven years, how old is she when she's widowed? 20 to 23. What would be your counsel today to a 20 to 23-year-old widow? Yeah. Hmm. And you know what you would have just done? Violated God's will for Anna. Go to the big church. They have great singles. You know what you're saying? It's a me market. Go shopping. I've never heard such garbage. They have a wonderful active singles group. What does that mean? What does that mean? Look what it says about her. Seven years she was married and then a widow to the age of what? 84. She never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At the very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God. Why? Because this little baby had been brought into the temple for the circumcision on the eighth day of his birth. And she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for redemption of Jerusalem. So this woman was a widow for 60 plus years and all she did was fast, pray, and proclaim redemption. Is there really any better way to spend 60 years of being a widow? God gifted that woman. Okay, I'm going to take you back to our text, back to Corinthians 7. Because he brings up an amazing statement there in verse 9. If you do not have self-control, back up to verse 5. Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Same word. Okay? It means I'm mentally weak. I can't control it. I do not have a disciplined life. Okay? Uh, He says, if you don't have this, let him marry. Why? It's better to marry than to burn. Okay, doesn't Paul have a way of turning a phrase? Okay, some of your texts may say with passion. Okay, that passion's not in the original manuscript. It's, if it's italic, it should be italicized in your Bible. It says just better to marry than to burn. Okay, why? I've seen it. You've seen it too. Okay, uh, now, now listen, I need to throw something in here. I've got to give you uh, um, something you've got to think about. I'm talking about Christians. Okay, I'm talking about, and, and some will say, you know what? I don't have the gift to be single but I can't seem to get married. Okay, now I'm going to hit and I'm going to try to, well, I've seen those too, but we won't go there. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're single today, boy, how am I going to do this one? All right. I should just do it the way I wrote it, but it seems harsh. The truth of the matter is that the reason God hasn't brought that person to you is perhaps you have sinned. And you have violated the principles of God, so you're not in a position where God is willing to bless you with marriage at this time. 
Got that? Now listen. If you're a Christian today, you know that premarital sex is a sin. Don't be worried about getting married. Because God says you violated my counsel. Okay? If you're divorced today and you divorced as a Christian because of your choice, guess what? You're in sin. Okay? And God's counsel is God's counsel. And I see people who want to walk down this and said, I've made a mess of it and say, God bless me. That's what drives me nuts when I see these God bless America bumper stickers. Why? Why should he? And the same thing happens to the saints. Now listen, I'm not here saying because you sin, he's just punishing you. But let me tell you something. If you in your heart have sinned willfully against his counsel, then ask yourself a question. Are you repentant? And I say no. And the reason that I say no is what is your desire? To marry. Why? To fulfill your lust? I'm talking this text is dealing with the pure beginning of a Christian. I am a Christian. I am here. I'm starting out single and God's counsel to a single person who's upright with the king. It is good if God has given you gift not to marry. Right? Because if he is calling you to marry because to keep you from burning, then there's a huge assumption here, isn't there? He would provide a partner. If he hasn't provided you a partner and you're burning and you have been in violation of God's will, then why would he provide you a partner? Okay? If God says, I don't have this supernatural gift to be over consumed with sex and he hasn't given me that gift then what would God do he would gift you with a partner how could God command you to marry and not provide a partner okay I want you to listen here's the other problem that exists Okay, I want you to hear me well. If you're not the right person, you'll never meet the right person. Okay? If instead of looking for the right girl, start being the right man. All right? Instead of looking for the right man, be the right girl. Okay, um, the two will recognize each other and they'll get married. <laughs> I mean, the problem is it's no different in marital counseling. My wife is supposed to submit to you and you're supposed to nourish and cherish and lift her up as a chaste virgin. Are you doing that? And the woman says, but my husband is supposed to do this to me. And I say, but what are you supposed to do? The same thing happens when you're single. I'm looking for a man who does this and this and this and this and this. Well, what are you? Okay, if I walk as Christ has commanded me, then guess what happens? 
You're going to get, let me tell you something. If you're a guy today and you are a single man this day and you walk as Christ walked, you're going to have more offers than you ever dreamed of. Why? Because that is an amazing thing in sight of our society today. A holy, godly man is amazing. It's miraculous and women will knock down huge mountains to find one. Guess what women will do? If a woman walks as a godly woman, there will be all kinds of people wanting her. Listen, I see people who says, I'm remaining single for the cause of Christ, and I watch them and they're burning on the inside, and all I see is torment. I absolutely see no value. Okay? What's their focus? That burning desire. Okay? That's what he uses here. Look what he says here. It is better to marry than to burn. It's present tense. You know what that means? I continually am burning. What is it? If you're continually burning with passion, what's your focus? Okay? It's definitely not being the right person, is it? It's not being holy. It's not being godly. It's not being sold out, committed to Christ. So, I don't have the gift. I'm waiting for the right one. I'm striving to be the right one. How do I control my desire in the meantime? I thought you would never ask. Remember? Six reasons to marry. Seven reasons to keep you pure. (laughs) I'm in the list. What can I say? First, channel your energy through physical work and spiritual service. All right? This is a single person who doesn't have the gift of singleness, knows they need to be married, and how do I keep my passion in check? Channel my energy to physical work. Please make a note. Physical work. Why? The relationship that is involved in sex is physical. All right? Use that energy somewhere else. All right? And spiritual service. What? It gives you energy and outlet. Two, don't seek to be married. Seek to love. Don't seek to be married. Seek to love. Listen, when I'm talking about love, I'm not talking about, oh God, I love you. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13. The verb action. Let marriage come as a response to love. Okay? Um, I see people who, or I know some, who are always wanting to get married. And they will marry wrong more often than not. Why? What are they seeking to do? To be married. Are they seeking to love? And yet... First John tells us they will know us by our love for one another. And yet I see people who want to get married. Why? But Well, because why? All right? People seeking to find fulfillment of love will marry the person they fall in love with. And that fulfills their love. You got to understand it. Does that make sense? Listen, if I love as Christ loves me, I'm going to find somebody who does what? Who loves as Christ loves them. And the two will do what? 
Mary. That's, it, does that make sense? I mean, when, you know, maybe you guys all knew that, and I was just, well, I'm, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay? Listen, here's what happens when you seek to marry. Okay? You go on a date. Right? What are you doing back here in the back of your head? I'm thinking that, you know, I'm in this age, I just did this, and I'm ready, you know, I'm at this point in time, and what do they call it? My biological clock is what? Yeah, so did Sarah said that too. Um, and God said, so? All right, so in the back of my mind, I'm sitting here, I'm going to get married, right? I, I need to get married, so I go out on a date, okay? When you go home, and you're looking to get married, and you get, you're done with your date, what do you do? You, you line up your list. They're this, they're that. Well, they didn't get that one, but they're close to this. Well, that's sort of like it. But it, and what do you do? I'm looking to marry and I'm trying, I got a list of 10 and the best out of 10, I'm in it. Right? Men and women do it. If I'm seeking to love, what do I do? What's the list in love? I love as Christ. What is my response that I expect back from it? Nothing. Okay? So I don't know what your list is. Maybe best out of five, plus or minuses. Um, you know, he or she may be close enough, and I'll take this one and, you know, got to change the rest. Um, you know, I love you, now change or whatever. Um, see, if I let marriage be the issue rather than the right person becoming the issue. Okay? Seek to love. You will be loved. <clears throat> Do not seek marriage. Marriage will come. Three, let go of this sex-mad, adulterous world. Okay? That's why God gave you the body of Christ. Why? You have singles that may be more mature than you. You have married who might be more mature than you. And they can slap your little hands when you keep grabbing hold of this sex-crazy world. And they will. I will. Okay? What I mean, watch what you absorb of the system. I'm not saying let's just put blinders on and go stick our head in the sand. But what I'm saying is, if I take in more information of the world than the things of God, what happens? Okay. Fourthly, program and reprogram your mind with divine reality. Okay. Program and reprogram your mind with divine reality. Your behavior is a direct result of the programming of your mind with or without divine truth. Okay? Look at the way we dress. Look at the jewelry and things that we do. I'm not even going to touch body piercing. Okay? I, no, I ain't going there. I ain't going to touch it. That's... If you're into it, knock yourself out. It's sort of like <laughs> body piercing, gentle laxative. <laughs> really? Huh? Really? Okay, I mean, do I really need to expound that? I didn't think so. But, I mean, let's be realistic. Okay, and I, you know, and I don't care. You know, people say, what about tattoos? What about them? I don't, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm concerned about. But what's guiding me? Program, reprogram. 
Okay? Fifthly, is that right? Yeah, fifthly. Recognize that for now, God has chosen for you to live without sex. Okay? For now, God has chosen you in the position you're in. Let me ask you this. If I'm willing to recognize that, that God has me single and I'm without sex, do I realize that no temptation has seized me except that is common to, God, to man? And God is faithful and he does what? Provides a way that I may stand under the temptation. Okay? How did he do that? The milk stool. Prayer, word, church. Surround yourself with Christians. Why? They, they rub off. Okay? Sixthly, avoid, flee, run, scatter potentially dangerous situations. Okay? How hard is that? If you walk into a fire, what will happen? You're going to get burned. Well, duh. If you put yourself in a position, what could happen? Okay? Joseph. Okay? Everybody talks about Joseph and what a man he was. What was he doing in the bedroom? Uh, duh. I don't understand that. I mean, you know, we could all sit and say, Joseph was such a... Let me tell you something. What was you doing in the boss's wife's bedroom? Stupid Joseph, bad, stupid Joseph. That's not, that doesn't even rank up there with duh. Okay? I don't know why he was in there. Oh, I was painting. No. Anyway. Okay? Seventhly, thank and praise God for the state that you're in and be content. We all sit this day, every one of us in this room, sit and say, Christ is our sufficiency. But I need to be married. Is he your sufficiency? Okay? If you're single, great. If you can't handle it, get married. I gave you six reasons to get married. I just give you seven reasons to stay that you can guard yourself to stay single. There is no command biblically that everybody has to marry or that a single is more spiritual. Please understand that. Okay? First one, counsel to single Christians. Paul says, I would have you remain as that. I'd have you remain as that. But if you're not gifted, I gave you six ways to protect yourself. Okay, let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word and for your divine counsel. And Lord, I thank you that you've blessed us here in this fellowship with single people. Father, I thank you've also blessed us with married people. Father, may the married people be willing to bow in a sacrifice of their time to help single people. Father, may the single people sacrifice their time to be immersed in the things of you and you alone. And that, Father, that they would not feel out of place among married people. Father, may we all look to be made, made disciples but also into making disciples. Father, may you burn into our, the frame of our being that in doing this, it will take a sacrifice of time. Thank you, Lord, for the time you've given us. Thank you for what you're doing through us. And Father, may we press on to the higher calling of Christ and Christ alone. 
We love you and we thank you. Amen.